Welcome to Conversations powered by KPMG Luxembourg, a podcast providing insights and advice in Luxembourg and around the world on the topics that matter most. In each episode, KPMG Luxembourg explores the themes that are transforming global businesses. From technology to talent, leadership to regulation, opportunities to challenges. We hope this podcast will offer you the insights you need to make better decisions. I'm your host, Alifia Sana, and today I'm joined by three esteemed Luxembourg business leaders. Françoise Thomas, CEO of Spurcase, Sinor Shore, Managing Director of Nordea, and our very own David Capocci, Managing Partner of KPMG Luxembourg. In this episode, David, Sinor, and Françoise will explore some of the biggest challenges and opportunities facing business leaders worldwide. We will consider the importance of ESG, talent management, and the challenges of artificial intelligence. David, Françoise, Sinor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for invitation. It's really great to be here. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. So I think we can all agree that the last three years have proven to be a demanding period for the world. Global shops have put the world and its global financial and business systems under strain. Uh, David, uh, KPMG's annual CEO Outlook was recently published, the annual survey of 1,300 CEOs worldwide. I was hoping you could kick off our conversation uh, by sharing the biggest challenges facing business leaders today. Well, I think that the biggest challenges probably lie around three strategic priorities. The how, the why, and the what. The how is generative AI, artificial intelligence. It has become a hot topic in the boardrooms. The question is how can organizations leverage on this technology? How can we be more efficient? And leaders need to better understand the potential of AI and how to implement the technology in their business strategies. Next, we have the, the why, which is our people. The younger generation today, they clearly have a different expectations. They want to experiment and see the value in the work that they do. They want to understand why they are doing things and how their work has an impact on society. So this is why us leaders, we need to prepare our people for the future and we need to continuously invest in our talents, build new skills, and foster their entrepreneurial mindset. And last but not least, ESG. Now, I mean, despite the economic and political uncertainty, the global survey I mentioned before shows that CEOs are focusing more on ESG. The vast majority of CEOs are fully on board and recognize that the E, the S, and the G are no longer optional. How about you, Francoise? I completely agree uh, to what David just uh, said. These are also, for me, uh, the main challenges, the main topics I deal with on a day-to-day basis, actually. And uh, AI, as well as talent management, as well as ESG, today are top management, um, really, responsibilities and challenges. So it's not something anymore, let's say, AI, you delegate it to IT, on talent manager to HR and ESG to some guys in secretary general department. No, it's really top management. I would even say CEO responsibility to take those on. And so, yes, this is what really keeps us awake as, as well. And do you see, Noel, what's your view? I think our economy is at an inflection point. Our global economy is actually reverting to a model with higher interest rates and inflation. 
companies now have to navigate through a very complex geographical landscape and geopolitical landscape. And all this environment is actually a real change of paradigm that forces companies to really reassess their operating model and their geographical footprint in the cost base. So I also believe that companies will have to reassess their core business versus the non-core business and identify those that are not fully aligned to their long-term strategic objectives and assess whether they can be target for potential disinvestments, uh, outsourcing, or simply uh, being stopped. And um, in terms of growth, which is on, on everyone's mind, um, what would you say your outlook for growth is over the next few years? I, I would say that I'm cautiously uh, more optimistic then uh, at the beginning of 2023, okay. I'm still shared the view that uh, we're heading towards a slow growth for the next years. And, and I mean, discussing about the, this shift of paradigm with a higher interest rate and inflation was also the pressure that we experience uh, on the supply chain as well. David, is there any data from the CEO outlook that supports this? According to the, the survey that we conducted globally, the CEO confidence in the global economy is actually pretty stable. Three out of four are confident in growth over the next three years. Now, CEO confidence in their own company's growth is still strong, but at a three-year low. We had close to 85% confidence in 2020, but this year it's slightly lower, around 77%. So what do you think that means for KPMG? Well, for KPMG, we had a significant growth since 2020. Next year, we'll probably reach 50% of growth over four years, which is great for us since our initial ambition was to realize that over five years. I'm positive that the investment we are making will be paying off in the short term. Can you elaborate uh, on how you will tackle these short-term challenges? Well, our main short-term challenges are to create space to rethink operational efficiencies and design new future initiatives. Thanks to our investment in technology, in terms of Luxembourg, I believe in the country and its future. We also have to rethink the notion of growth. Growth has to be more, uh, more multidimensional than, than just figures. It's also about what you can contribute to a given ecosystem, to a given society you are acting in as a corporate actor, as a corporate citizen. In my particular case of, of Spurkis, it's also gross on how um, satisfied, how happy are your employees in, in, in working for you? Uh, how do they feel in the ecosystem? So I think having uh, Luxembourg be an international community with people to, who come to stay, that's also an element of growth. So I think we should rethink growth and have it be uh, more multidimensional. David set out earlier three of the most pressing topics facing business leaders today, AI, people, and ESG. So, Sinor, let me come to you first here. Is ESG at the forefront of people's attention at Nordea? And do you expect companies to turn away from ESG in the short term as they face geoeconomic pressures? I think actually ESG is today at a very critical juncture. I think the economic environment is putting pressure on organizations to justify their level of fees and to generate even greater returns. So to your question, whether companies will turn away from ESG in the short term, 
I actually, in my opinion, think that there's no trade-off to be made between return and ESG investments. The real question is how green you want to be or how social you want to be. And the answer to this question would determine the level of sustainable investments. And this may well mean that in the short term, you will have to sacrifice some of your returns or portfolio performance to achieve this goal. But for me, ESG is there to stay. Francoise, perhaps you could share your thoughts on ESG as well. ESG is not an option. It's something you have to implement. What I believe, however, is that uh, some of ESG metrics have to be adapted to uh, reality and to practical feasibility. Um, so some of the metrics are just, uh, it's not possible to reach them, at least not at the speed where uh, they should be reached. So I think this have, has to be adapted in a way where it becomes uh, practically feasible. Then at some point, ESG will be something natural, something built in. So we will not think about ESG as something separate from other activity. It's just built in. And, and I think we will get there, there pretty quickly, maybe more quickly than, than we believe. So let's come back to a talking point of the year, which was cited in the CEO Outlook, and that is artificial intelligence. Why do you think that AI is such a complex topic for companies? Let's first go to you, Sino. I recognize that AI can be a catalyst for accelerating growth uh, for our long-term business to really force our organization to rethink our business model. The challenge remains to define an adequate strategy around the use of AI. What type of profile and expertise do you need to achieve this strategy? How much money do you need to spend in order to uh, utilize this AI in the best way? So. This area remains extremely complex and uh, the regulatory uncertainties around this is also a challenge to overcome. So my expectations is that in the coming years, what we will see is more and more joint ventures and also strategic alliances with uh, uh, companies that are specialized in that space and where um, they will develop a number of additional services to our industry. So despite these uncertainties, I was wondering what stage you're at with AI at Nordea. We are contemplating as many other organizations, but as I said, I think it's really important to define an adequate strategy around this use so that you take out the best potential that uh, this technology can offer you. Are you experimenting with AI at Spurcase? We are thinking about using AI in knowledge management, uh, about using it in personalized marketing. In hiring, of course. And there, of course, you have the question, will that en um, enhance bias? Because there's also criticism now against AI saying it's partly backward looking, so it will just enhance uh, past bias. Other people say, no, generative AI is more intelligent than, than the person. So it has a consciousness of its own and it will be do better hiring processes. So all this is being discussed right now. We can have it in data management. We can have it in something as down to earth as minute taking and then doing research in documents and in minutes. We can use it for detection of cyber attacks. So all these are use cases we are currently either thinking about or already experimenting on. The big thing is what will be the impact, especially on less qualified people. So how many people would lose their usefulness within the organization and all this will have a huge social impact. What profiles do you want to hire over the next five years? 
what aspects, what uh, parts of your activity will be deeply impacted by AI or even will have disappeared? And people are just sitting there and they don't know what to answer. And I can't blame them for that because I don't know it either. Well, this brings me neatly onto talent. Everybody's talking about talent. The workplace has been dramatically transformed in these recent years, particularly due to technology. And companies are going through huge transformations on this front. So how do you view your role as a business leader when it comes to talent management? David. Well, in Luxembourg, 50% of the CEOs have as an operational priority designing the right value proposition for the employees. I personally see three key pillars for building that value proposition. The first one is flexibility. The second one is talent retention. The third one is people upskilling. A majority of CEOs, 64%, anticipate a full return to the office in three years. And actually, 87% say that they are likely to reward employees, like with favorable work, pay raises, promotions, employees who make an effort to come into the office. In Luxembourg, we don't see this trend because we're embracing the value of hybrid working brings to, to our companies. So I don't see how we could come back to full-time in the office again. The country has many cards to play to enhance its position as a global and competitive hub. You may have heard that we are building new headquarters in the coming years, and it's certainly a clear message that we are sending to the country and to our people on how optimistic we are in the future. That is certainly a great message. And in terms of hiring staff in Luxembourg, a country of 650,000 people, it comes with its own set of complications, as you probably know. Sinor, what do Luxembourg companies need to do to win talent? I think we are already have a number of, uh, of assets to attract talent with a very good educational system, health system, and very high standard uh, uh, of living. So uh, I think uh, it's just to name a few. Uh, but definitely, I think that the subject around uh, the higher living cost remains a recurring topics everywhere and uh, and how to attract, especially those profiles that we're lacking for our, our financial industry is also a, a topic that comes very often and, and certainly something that our next government will have at the core of their uh, of their discussions as well. So, Francoise, I'm wondering, how do you think we can attract more people to Luxembourg? As I said, today, talent management is definitely um, a top management issue. Of course, you need a competent HR function to implement it in practice. So it's a CEO issue today. Um, now, in the bank I, I work for, so usually people stay for a very long time waiting for their whole career. So it's even more important to have the right talent management in place because we don't want to lay off people in order to hire new ones when we need new competencies. So we have really to upskill and have evolve our stuff all over their career and what we uh, notice right now and this is something very encouraging very positive many people who have been there for 20, 25 30 years while in their 50s they are still uh, asking for talent management so uh, i think that is a very very positive manage for young people you want to attract it's absolutely key to have a talent management in program so it's something you need today in order to attract the good people in order to keep the good people and also i think it's um a way you show your employees that, that you care for them, that they count for you as, as human beings. So 
it's something which is, uh, I think, crucial today for the employee and for the company and for top management. Now I'm going to have to draw us to a close uh, as we're running out of time. But before I do, I'd love to take you through a quick fire round of questions, if you're all ready. So let's kick this off with you, Sino. What did you want to be when you were younger? I actually wanted to be a flight attendant in an airline company just to travel around the world and follow people who are um, on holidays all the time. Francoise. Why, uh, I was very keen on being something creative, like a florist, a goldsmith, or a photographer. And uh, by the way, I still do a lot of photography, so in a way, I kept my dreams. David. Well, I wanted to be uh, an inventor. The problem is that each time I had an idea, I realized that the idea had already been invented by someone else. And now for the next question, who has inspired you the most? Let's come to you first, David. Well, I, I, I met many great people over my professional career. But if there was one I should put under the spotlight, I would say um, my parents, because they gave me the education and the values that allow me to be here today. Francoise? Well, I fully agree. Um, I come from a family where I got, um, I think, the mindset and also material um, support to do what I wanted to, to do in my life. So definitely, yes, my parents and my grandparents. Now I had the chance throughout my career and in the different areas where I have been active to meet great people at important times in my life. And these people um, pushed me and supported me. So it's not one person, it was a series of people to whom I'm, I'm very grateful. And finally, to you, Sinor, who has inspired you the most? couldn't actually list one person in particular. I think everyone I have worked with along my professional career has left something with me and I would say has somehow be a, a, be a, a mentor to me. And if you could use just one word to describe your outlook for the next three to five years, what would it be? Purposeful. I mean, organizations will need to have a clear and meaningful purpose or intention behind each of their actions and efforts. And this is true for their people, their clients, or any other stakeholders. I tried to get it into one word, but it doesn't work because it's cautious optimism. I would say optimistic is uh, extremely important, especially in those uh, economic outlook landscape with, where things are uncertain. I think maintaining an optimistic tone is extremely important. Francoise Thomas, Sinor Shore and David Capocci, thank you for joining us on this week's Conversations and for sharing your valuable insights and perspectives on these significant topics. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Stay tuned as we delve deeper into the world of business, leadership and innovation in the episodes to come. That's all from me. I'm Alifia Sana. Until next time.